Our scripture reading for today comes from Joshua 6, 1 through 16, and verse 20. You can follow along in your Bibles or your worship guide. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, you, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day, they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Good morning. Merry Christmas. It's great to be with you. Uh, my name's Clyde Godwin, and uh, Valerie and I live over in Winston-Salem, and uh, I'm the director for the Barnabas Center, which is a counseling, teaching, training ministry here for the triad. Really thankful that we have our office here uh, at Hope Chapel, uh, where Todd and Hannah help us out by getting uh, the Barnabas Center up and running, but we have counselors over in Winston-Salem, and it's a great ministry to care for people and help people meet Jesus in the midst of their struggles. But it's a thrill to be with you today. When uh, Todd asked me to do this as a sign, this passage, I go, what does this have to do with Christmas? <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa. But as I've studied it and gotten more into it, I told Valerie driving over here today, this passage is for us. This is where we are. We need to hear the truth that we're going to find here. Uh, in uh, this passage this morning. So I'd like for us just to stop and pray for a moment. Um, so I encourage you to pray uh, for someone sitting close to you that they could hear the voice of the Good Shepherd this morning. So just pray quietly.
Now pray for me that I can hear the voice of the Good Shepherd as I'm speaking to you this morning. Jesus, we're grateful this morning that you promised to show up and show off. Um, you love to reveal the Father's heart for your people, for his people, for the Holy Spirit's desire to take us deeper into this amazing joy that's offered to us through the message of the gospel, and particularly here at Christmas time. So we pray every heart will prepare him room as we listen to the word of God this morning and be encouraged with the hope we share. Amen. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, joy is coming. All right. Okay, I want to encourage you. This is our first application right out of the gate. Rather, when you see people like in the checkout line or neighbors as you're walking by or you're going to school and you see your friends, just say, joy is coming. Rather than saying Merry Christmas, say, hey, joy is coming. And how much joy? Well, the angel said there would be good news of great joy. Um, and if you're really bold, you'll say, and there is ginormous joy. Okay? So do we have any elf fans here um, with Buddy, uh, the elf? Uh, you know, there's some great scenes in there where he uses the word ginormous, which is conflation of gigantic and enormous. But there is ginormous joy. For anybody who will look to Jesus this Christmas, ginormous joy, good news of great joy. So when we look at this passage, we see what appears to be absolutely impossible. I mean, absolutely impossible. Jericho was the first fortified city. This is the first battle that the people of Israel are going to engage in. And it's daunting because this city prided itself on its fortified walls they were set up for sieges. They had a, a natural water supply, so they could last a long time. So when you look at what the people of Israel were facing after 40 years crossing over, but they had to win this city to go up because it's down low. They had to win this city so they could go up and start taking the hill cities and get up higher and start to, to win those battles. So when you back up into Joshua chapter 5, uh, right at the end, it really sets the stage here for what goes on at Jericho because there's really not a battle for Jericho here. And we'll see that pretty clearly here in a moment. It's not a battle for Jericho. Um, but we see Joshua encounter um, Jesus uh, right before this battle starts. So in the end of Joshua 5, it says that G Joshua's walking along and his eyes are down. And he looks up, and then he sees the angel of, of the Lord. He sees the commander of the great army of the Lord, and he has a big sword. And here's what Joshua says. Joshua says to him, are you for us or are you against us? <laughs> uh, who you, whose side are you on here? And uh, the angel answers, none, neither. No, <laughs> I'm not on anybody's side, you know. And right away, Joshua knows that's a clue that I'm not in the presence of somebody who's human. I'm in someone who is the Lord himself. And it says that Joshua falls down and he worships. And uh, the Lord says to him, take off your shoes for you are on holy ground. I wonder this Christmas as you come to um, this Christmas season, is there an internal battle inside of you over where is God? And Father, what are you doing? 
And why is this happening to me? Are there walls internally, externally? What are you waiting for in terms of seeing God bring miracles into our stories that we will shout, how great is our God? So where are the walls? What's, uh, what's keeping you in? Maybe you're inside the walls. Uh, maybe you're outside the walls and you want to see God do what only God can do. And so let me share with you the first battle that's fought here is the battle of surrender here at Christmas time. Are we willing to allow ourselves to admit that we're stuck, that we're struggling, um, that we have a lot of anxiety and fear around this situation or that situation, this family member, this job, or lack of a job? So what are we waiting for? How does God want to show up in our story and help us surrender in a fresh way and be able to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. See, this is the big battle we fight every day. Even, you know, it doesn't have to be Christmas time. It's every day we wake up, wake up and decide, am I going to be my own Savior or I need a Savior? My good friend Randy Borden, I was doing teaching on um, spiritual formation about centering prayers. Um, and just learning how to pray breath prayers. And for a lot of you who are extremely busy, particularly if your mom's a little kid, you know the power of breath prayers. Jesus, help me. <laughs> you know, it can be as simple as that. Brendan Manning, that most of you love here, his uh, centering prayer was this one, Abba, Father, I belong to you. That's the way he centered himself when he felt very anxious or pulled by his addictions or whatever he was struggling with. He would pray, Abba, Father. That's where he would center himself. My friend Randy, he and his wife have started a ministry to women recovering from addiction. Uh, They've got a beautiful retreat center in Yadkin County. But here's his prayer when he wakes up in the morning. He prays, Jesus, save me from my stupid self. Can I get a witness? Amen. (laughs) Do you know that prayer? Maybe you don't say it, but you sure feel it. You go, gosh, I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to take over. I don't want to be in control, but man, I'm wired that way. I am ready to power through whatever, whatever is going on. And Joshua is probably looking down because he's fearful about what's getting ready to happen. You know, in Joshua 1, God will say to Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. Three times he repeats it to him. I don't know about you. I need to hear it six or seven times so that I don't give in to my fear or my commitment to make life work on my terms. And so Joshua humbles himself, he worships, and he is ready to go. He is ready to enter into what we read next, which is the battlefield. Okay, we're going to go to the battle for surrender, the battlefield of learning to be quiet, to learn the discipline the liturgy of silence in the face of whatever you're going through. So let's hear the setting here. We're, God's going to tell them you're going to do this for seven days. This fits into the seven days of creation. They've just gone through the festival and, uh, and for seven days ending in the Passover. So the number seven here has a lot of liturgy, beauty, um, art in it. And God's saying, I'm going to teach you something that I teach people over and over again. But he basically says, you're going to walk around Jericho, about seven-acre plot. That's how big the city is. Uh, Sort of a Bible study 
question at this point is how many people are going to be walking around the city seven times? And the answer is over a million. <laughs> so imagine going on a hike with over a million people. You're getting up and you're going to walk around this huge fortified city of Jericho. And you're going to do it for seven days, one time, and the priests are going to be out there, the Ark of the Covenant's there, symbolizing the presence of God. But something's going on there that God's going to teach the people how to trust him, even as they look at impossible uh, circumstances. How are we going to take this city? But for six days... Now, you can imagine doing that by yourself, but for those of you who have kids, you're taking your kids too, okay? Kids, shh, we got to be quiet. Now, it's one thing to do that one time, but to do it six days in a row and teaching your children how to walk in silence and to listen and observe. Now, we don't know what was coming from the walls where people were taunting them, mocking them, whatever, but God's basically saying, I want you to be quiet, Now, this is such an important step to anything you're facing or going through is learning how to be still and let God work in you what is pleasing to him. Uh, To be quiet so that you begin to appreciate the importance of solitude and silence. So this Christmas, I want to encourage you to carve out some time. It can be a half day, maybe a few hours. But get up early, stay up a little bit later, but just sit quietly in front of the Christmas tree or fire. Get your scripture open and just be quiet and listen. On Thursday morning, I was at a men's gathering where we get together to tell God stories about what God is doing. And I've gotten to know this wonderful young guy named Thomas, but he has a lot of physical injuries. He walks with a cane. He used to be a star athlete. He's basically losing his health and he's deeply troubled. And he's sitting behind me in this gathering at a restaurant in East Winston. And, uh, and I just hear Jesus say to me, give him something. So um, I wasn't sure what it was. Uh, but I realized I needed just to give him my presence and talk to him. And I said, Thomas, how you doing? And he looks at me and says, God, I remember when Jesus used to talk to me. And I want to get that back. Now off to the side were a couple other guys that I know pretty well. So they said, hey, John, come here. Hey, bud, come here. Let's get around and let's just pray for Thomas. Let's just give him the gift that he can hear Jesus talk to him again. Have you been there? Have you been there where you know that when you open the scriptures, you listen to Christmas music, Jesus is talking to you. Now, I'm not saying audibly, but it's that impression. There's this reality that he is with you, he's there to help you, um, and he wants to speak to you. Um, part of why we do this Christmas celebration is remind that we are waiting. And what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the good news, who is Jesus, but we're waiting for Jesus to talk to us and help us. And so can you imagine doing this for six days in a row, walking around Jericho, and what you would feel like and what you're going through and all of that. So let's be Mary for a second. Mary is a young girl. The angel appears to her and says this, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, what if God was to say that to you this morning or this afternoon or tomorrow? Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
Now, you've got to love the Bible at this point, because if you know what comes next, what, is Mary, what does it say? Mary was deeply troubled. Wow, not only has she seen an angel, but she's hearing these words. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, I love your pastor, Todd. He's a great guy. If you know the Enneagram, he's a one. Um, so, he, you know, beautiful things about one is when they're healthy, watch out. It's glorious. When they're not healthy, look out. You know? But let's just say Todd's not having a good day. Okay? And the Lord speaks to him and says, Todd, oh, favorite one, the Lord is with you. Todd, if he's not in a good place, will say something like this. I'm not ready. <laughs> you know, I, I whoa, 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 slow down. And he'll be trouble like, just wait. So Hannah over here, I prepared her for this. So Hannah, if the Lord says to you, Hannah, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you and you're not in a good place, what are you going to say? You've got to be kidding me. Okay, so there you go. So the Lord is with you. Oh, favored one. Now, here's the great thing we can sell about, about the gospel, not at Christmas, but every day, is if you know Jesus, you are so favored. And the Lord longs to kind of just breathe that over you, sing that over you, bring you. And he is with you, Emmanuel. The Lord is with us. And he's constantly inviting us to come and be reminded of that, to know the truth of that, to know the wonder of that, that he is with us. And there's nothing that we're facing in front of us or inside of us, that he hasn't already won the victory over, that he has a, the power to show us how to experience the truth of who he is. But the most difficult thing um, for me is to wait. I know the Lord has favored me. I know the Lord is with me, but I'm dealing with some difficult situations right now in my own story, Valerie and I together, and we want to get, we want God to show up. <laughs> We want God to work. We want God to do something. It's painful to wait. But you and I know that it's in that waiting that we really learn some things we would never learn without having to wait. I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry, says the psalmist in Psalm 40. So what happens when you have to wait? You have to listen. Do you know one of the best ways that you can love God is to listen to him? To listen. He's speaking. He's not silent. He's there. And not only is he there, but he's speaking every day. The psalmist says there's this constant communication coming our way. But because of the walls within or without or both, we have a hard time listening. So let me encourage you to go home today, read Psalm 81, because God pleads with the people, said, oh, that you would listen to me, and I would help you. But it basically says, but you refuse to listen. And I don't know how to get there apart from God putting me in positions where things are so difficult.